Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And this week is usually one of my favorite weeks to talk shit because it means that we get to talk a lot of shit about Tottenham. Um, but even though there was a draw, um, and even though there was a match of that kind of implication, I think we can't go any further into this podcast without addressing um, the tragic news that I think the whole football community is dealing with right now and trying to find some sort of understanding on. And that's the passing of, um, of course, the legendary Diego Maradona, uh, who passed away this past week. So um, our condolences, not only to him and his family, but to the whole footballing community, because it just it's it stinks losing someone like that. So um, couldn't record today without addressing it, obviously. But um, I'd like to introduce my co-host Sam, as always. How you doing, bud? I know it's been a it's been a crazy week, and especially this morning, you got the blood boiling with the game, huh? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to also add one thing about Maradona. Like, oh yeah, you you said like which I should like talk about a memory or something that stands out about Maradona, but I think his goal in 94, in the 94 World Cup uh, against, I forget which team it's against, but he only played in two matches in that World Cup. That was the one in the United States. Um, so uh, he only played in two matches before he failed a drug test, but he scored a goal, and it's just like the most iconic celebration. Like, I forget the exact backstory of that world cup but just the way he runs to the camera and you can see like his eyes bulging out of his head and he's just screaming like that's like diego maradona and like that's like yeah that's the one that's one of the videos that just gives me goosebumps every single time and of course the the juggling video like that's you know when my dad showed me that for the first time i was just like mind blown you know but the way he was able to I think specifically with him, I think the thing that sticks mostly out with me, I guess, since we're sharing stories now, I remember when I was younger and first discovered YouTube and like, I -hmm. I would look up all these soccer players that I'd never, that I always heard of, but never got to watch. And Maradona was, you know, one of the first people I looked up. And I remember those, those warm up videos of him juggling with his shoulders. Mm -hmm, That's the one I'm talking about. He was doing that. Yeah. And like, and I'm only 26 for those that don't know. So, you know, growing up in my generation, it was like Ronaldinho was the guy that always had the ball on a string like that. But for me, it was always Maradona because I, I saw him doing those crazy juggling tricks before Ronaldinho ever did. Mm-hmm. So 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 I guess for me, that's like that's probably where he was the biggest influence. He always kind of made me want to go outside and be that good at juggling, even though I was, you know, a center back with size 12 feet. But um, Andres. Welcome to the show, bud. Um, hey. Do you have Do you have anything on uh, any like specific memories of Maradona since you're uh, I don't uh, know I South think, American? Like, one. <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, well, I was gonna say be, I was gonna say because your dad, because your dad's been watching soccer for a long time, so maybe he got the, got the chance to you know watch him a little bit closely. I think my uncle was the bigger one. So obviously, growing up, Venezuela wasn't very good at soccer. It's more of a recent thing. Really. Yeah, Venezuela has always been is more, more of, of a recent thing. I don't even know if it's a like recent a... thing either. Okay. So <laughs> the future thing. It's a Shut future thing. Venezuela. Anyway. Venezuela's on the rise, okay? <laughs> Venezuelans like always chose between Argentina and Brazil as who they were going to root for. And I think Maradona's the reason my uncle was like the only person in my mom's side of the family to choose Argentina. So... Obviously, I, I think that goes back to Maradona. But the one thing that sticks to my mind is 
when Messi was coming up the ranks in Barcelona, he scored this goal where he dribbled past five or six players starting from the halfway line. Mm-hmm. And immediately the comparison started. And then you get to see how Maradona did it years prior. And you just know that Maradona is the one that inspired Messi to even consider doing something like that. Mm-hmm. So the goal of the century. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just one oh, of those yeah. things. It was, it was against England when Maradona did it at a yeah. world cup semi, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And it was the same game as game as the hand of God, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's just crazy that, Years before the potentially greatest player of all time, or at least in our generation, there was another guy who had done it in a bigger scale. So to think that, you know, we never got to watch him, but without Maradona, like Zach alluded to, there is no Ronaldinho and there is no Messi because from what my understanding, he was one of those guys that was an entertainer. He wasn't just a good soccer player. So, yeah, just the thought that without him, those – extremely flared like players that make mm-hmm. you get off your seat because they do something ridiculous wouldn't be here today and you know the so crazy sad. thing is that is that everybody seems especially the footballing community like we obviously were saddened when anybody goes but in his situation somebody that had like so many vices and so many moments where people were questioning his character and for his footballing genius to kind of just overshadow all of that. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like everybody's completely forgotten about all of his sins, which I'm really happy for. Because I, I think Jurgen Klopp said it best, if, if you guys get a chance to listen to what he had to say about uh, the passing of Maradona, it's, it's, it's actually really special. He goes, there was Diego, who was the soccer player, and then there was Maradona, who was the guy who kind of suffered with everything off the pitch. And he goes, you know, we're basically losing two people, so it's it's basically twice as sad. So I I think that's a that's that's pretty accurate. It, yeah. I, but 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 2020 in general, man, we lost Kobe and Maradona in the same year. Yeah. Two of the greatest to ever do it in their sport. It's and not like easy. we're seeing the scenes in uh, Argentina and in Napoli, like how yeah. distraught they are. It's like I remember L.A. That, that was week. L.A. Like it was that's that's really similar to how it was. Um, yeah. But all right, let, let's move into this Chelsea Tottenham game. Um, first off, I want to start off by saying that I'm okay with this result. I would have preferred a win, of course, but I said last week that I'm more concerned about taking away points from Tottenham than I am about us getting points. Um, and that's what happened with this draw. Nil nil. Um, I'll go through the starting eleven: Mendy in goal. Back four of uh, James, Zuma, Thiago, Chilwell. Uh, midfield trio of Conte, Kovacic, and Mount. And a front three of Ziyech, Tammy, and Werner. So, really nice to see Kovacic maintaining his starting spot over uh, the former COVID patient Kai Havertz. Um, so, uh, I thought he played phenomenal. Um, possibly the man of the match. Um, he did just his patented... Uh, Kovacic thing which is just bringing the ball up the pitch and uh either advancing play or drawing a foul from behind like it's beautiful um Zach did you uh note any uh surprises with the starting lineup I mean I said last week and I know me and Andres kind of got into it um about starting Havertz in a game like this and 
I mean, as much as I understand starting him, um, I, I I still would have gone with Kovacic, and this was kind of why. I mean, the midfield in this game was imperious. They controlled the tempo throughout. I thought they were the reasons why Harry Kane was only limited to, what was it that you said before recording, so I'm 40-something touches, 41 touches yeah. on the whole game. I mean, that midfield is the reason why. Um, I, I think the combination of... The intelligent pressing that Mount and Kovacic are capable of doing, combined with you know that protective blanket of N'Golo Conte right behind them, is perfect. But other than the Kovacic um, shout, I don't really think there's any any other surprises. Um, not seeing Cho in the squad was concerning. Um, I don't know if that's a little bit of Frank trying to rest him for the you know the midweek match, or possibly that he got hooked at the midweek match prior because he might have had a knock or something. So might be something to keep an eye on because we do have a lot of games coming up. Um, but yeah, no, no real surprises here. But see, like when you're thinking about Cho not making the starting lineup, so obviously you have the, I mean, sorry, not the, the starting lineup, but the bench at all. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have the starting lineup plus looking at the bench, Kepa as the backup keeper, you got to have one. Dave as a backup uh, left or right back. He was our only fullback. Brudiger is the only backup center back. Havertz, Jorginho, Pulisic, and Giroud. I mean, those guys, uh, like, who who would you leave off and put Cho on, like, for? I, I, I think that this is the right decision. And, mm-hmm. you know, we do have an expanded roster for Champions League, obviously, because of the five extra subs. So that's where you're going to expect seeing Cho play a lot more. And uh, again, we talked about this last week, like maybe it is a good idea uh, for a loan spell, get him some time because uh, the way that our team is playing right now, like I don't think that it's the right environment for uh, developing a player like him. You know, it's because like he got his play time based off of injuries, you know, Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. And we can keep him for depth, but I don't know if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, I fully expect Cho to, to be starting midweek against Sevilla. And, and not just that. We're going into a December where we're playing seven matches. December's always tough. And you're right, Sam. You're not going to leave Pulisic or Kai Havertz off your bench, especially against Tottenham, who is top of the league. So... I didn't think much of it that he didn't make it because we all know that we were going to go into this game with a strong lineup. Also knowing that midweek Sevilla, we already clinched. So it's not a a do or die as much as this game is Uh, losing three points would have been a big deal at this point because against Liverpool, we lost against United. We only got one point. And so this would have been, the other kind of the other latest biggest game we would have had so far. And, and you would expect to get some form of result based on our form. So yeah, I fully expect Cho to play Sevilla. I fully expect Cho to play Krasnodar and then he will have to get minutes, whether it's, you know, Wolves or West Ham at, at some point in December, it's a bummer because he has played well, but the guys ahead of him are, are, are good you know you, you just don't leave those guys off the team kind of a Foden situation yeah just yeah because the, the a good team 
again, like what I was saying, like it's just not a good situation to develop a young talent unless. Yeah. And it's just so unfortunate we got knocked out of care about Cup because that would be a great time to play him. But, uh, yeah. you know, FA Cup, that that's where he'll make his mark. Uh, I think I, I think it's great he's getting Champions League minutes. But like, yeah, Sam, you said it. Premier League minutes is is the key. Just Be- constant minutes in general. Because even even in Europe last year, he got good minutes. He's not going to get it, unfortunately. And yeah, that's the I mean, thing. It's, it's only going to be based out of... Because, like, like, Timo Werner, this guy is is clearly exhausted. <laughs> like, we say this every week, and he still plays, like, almost the full 90 every match. Um, and, you know, like, I'm not saying keep him out for this match, but he should be able to see some more time. Uh, when, when are they supposed to like make the final decision on um, the five, five substitutions rule? It's supposed to happen at some point in December. If okay, I'm not because mistaken. I, I, I think based on the outcome of that, that should determine yeah. what he does in January. That's true. That's true. Uh, I think, yeah, that should affect like how often he's on the actual team sheet. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about Mourinho. Cause that was a typical Mourinho performance. Uh, and it was so funny to see that uh, vi- that interview he had back in 2004 pop up on Twitter uh, when he uh, after a Tottenham match and he was Andres. What was the exact quote? Can you do it? And can you do it in uh, his accent? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. He's like, he's oh, like that's what they call it in my country. <laughs> oh 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 oh. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think there's words for <laughs> I think. little horse, but I, I don't know in, in English. But Tottenham, we're, we're not part of, of race. We're not big horse. We're little horse. Uh, uh, what was it? Pony? Pony. We're pony. We're not part of this race. Chelsea, fantastic team. Fantastic squad. They are more contenders than us. We're we're not even part of race. That that wasn't that wasn't the interview I was talking about. That's oh, great. Dang it. I was talking about the 2004 interview oh, when, oh, when he was playing. Yeah, that oh, was right. any this, any this one was this time around. Additional um, Mourinho impressions by you is much appreciated. Damn. Well, in 2004, he was Chelsea manager, and he was saying he was frustrated about the Tottenham match. He's like, I I should have known when you face Tottenham. You know, we have this saying in my country where they bring out the Bro, what are you doing? The Do the accent. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's the only reason why I'm asking you to say it. <laughs> in, I, I think it, it, it don't translate in English, but in, in country we, we say the bus. They bring out the, the, the bus. And they park the bus and, and you, cannot, you cannot score against teams with that. It wouldn't be an Andreas uh, Mourinho impression without starting it with I think. I see. Yeah, you have. To. He always is thinking. He's always thinking. Uh, He's always but, thinking. but like, even if you look at um, the heat map and the average positioning of each all of their players uh, for both both teams, uh, we are our furthest back players were obviously our center backs, and they're pretty much pushed up to almost half field. And if you look at Tottenham's almost all 11 guys are in their own half like uh it's it, it was definitely a parking the bus uh situation and even like late in the match uh <laughs> he went full parking the bus when he brought in Ben Davies for Bergvine and uh i mean that was just i mean it was it was expected 
they really they had one shot on target the whole match. It was one effort from distance from uh, the right back, Serge Aurier. So uh, credit to the midfield and defense for stopping that Kane Sun thread. Zach, you mentioned that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I even forgot that they were in the match. I mean, what? How were they able to? Like what? What? What was Frank's tactics particularly to eliminate them from the game? Well, it was it, it was to create a screen in front of Harry Kane. Um, their their plan of attack was really simple, and we saw it in there. And actually, their first two or three attacks of the game, they looked pretty dangerous. Um, but Harry Kane would actually drop off into the midfield, pick up the ball in a, in a similar position to where a number ten would normally pick it up. Um, and then he'd look for the long ball over the top or up the middle to uh, to Sun or Bergvine. Um, if you if you didn't notice, um, Sun is essentially I mean he's deployed as a winger technically, but he basically plays striker for them because Harry Kane's the one pulling the strings in the midfield from the creative uh, in the creative sense. So our midfield um, they just did a fantastic job of creating a screen there and cutting off that outlet to Harry Kane. Um, it, it, it forced Tottenham to get out in other ways. Um, and, you know, most notably, I actually thought he had a pretty good game in Dombele, um, you know, breaking our press in the first half. He had a couple pirouettes where he got around a few of our guys. And that's fine. You want guys like in Dombele being the one to try and beat you as opposed to Harry Kane or Son or Bergvine being on the ball who can who can sort of make magic happen. But the pressing from Mount and Kovacic, most notably, um, was probably the biggest pest to them because um, they they really made them uncomfortable. Um, I think Hoiberg was the only midfielder that really sort of got his feet under him throughout the course of the match. I think everyone else looked frazzled at, for most of the game um, from a defensive sense. But the fact that we have Conte playing behind him is such a blessing, guys. And and Frank said it a couple weeks ago. The best of Conte is is, is still yet to come. You know, um, he's he's the most important player to our team. I mean, without Conte picking off those passes in the midfield and breaking uh, or or breaking up play that gets through our initial press, we we would have been in for a treat. You know, what, what does Son and Kerry? Uh, uh, Son and Harry Kane have like 14 goals combined in the first nine games or something ridiculous like that. Uh-huh. I think the number is higher. I think it's, I think it's higher goals. And I think yeah. they have a combined of like 11 like nine assists or something. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to, to be able to stop that attacking duo is, is impressive on its own. But the fact that our whole midfield kind of did it collectively as a unit and everybody was just doing what they normally do so well they're, they're all just performing their roles and everything just seemed to be ticking. It's uh, mm. I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get the three points out of it. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of cutting off uh, cutting off Harry Kane, you could credit that solely to our midfield. Um, Andres, you want to you wanna take this moment to kind of just go in on the Kova crew? Just let it oh. all out? Yeah, but before I get into <laughs> Kovacic, I do want to say it's, it's weird that on paper Tottenham is lined up as a 4-2-3-1 yeah. because the way it plays out is more of a four, three, one, two, because Harry Kane, you mentioned he drops off, but he drops deep. He's playing it as a false nine. He's not a target man getting the ball, you know, with his back turned to goal. He's looking for it, turning and hitting teams on the counter. We just mentioned his, his assists being 
extremely high this season. His playmaking kind of shining Long balls, through. too. Like, balls over the top. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Dombele is deployed as a 10, but he's more of an 8, while Hoisberg and Sissoko are both 6s. Mm-hmm. So, even though he's lined up as a 10, he's... he's as long as the ball... I, I think you mentioned screening Harry Kane, but I thought of it more as you have a guy that doesn't let Ndombele find the next pass because it seemed the ball had to go through the center to then go through Harry Kane. Sissoko in possession wasn't doing anything. He was getting pressed very well by Mount. Opposite of him, I, I don't think Hoiberg is there to transition the ball. I'm not sure that's his role. He's more of just the, the natural six that's doing the bully work. We talked about him being more of like your Nemanja Matic, if you want to put it into a Chelsea perspective. But Ndombele did get a couple of dribbles, but but it would be he dribbles past the first, and then Mount and and Kovacic would be there to clean the house. Even if he got past Conte, the other two are ready to go. So, yeah, if, if the ball ever broke past their two DMs, our midfield three was always at the right place. I mentioned we shouldn't counter press, and I think that's exactly what we did. We did not go to win the ball deep in their their attacking third. We were. We fully knew where the ball was going to go after their back four received it. And I think that's where the true pressure came instead of trying to press their back four. So, oh. yep. So, I was just saying, I also think that with that uh, tactic, you kind of concede a little bit on the attacking end because we didn't really create a lot of chances because we weren't sending bodies up the pitch uh, as often because we were afraid of you know, like our number one priority was to ensure that these two guys who every time they actually did get a touch, my heart would actually drop. Like I'm, uh, these guys actually scared the shit out of me. Uh, but you know, in order to ensure that they don't get as many touches as they normally do, you got to concede on the attacking end. And you kind of saw that, you know, they had, they had one shot on target early in the sec, you know, like the second minute and the next one didn't come until around like the 75th minute. So, um, that was uh, does it yeah does it also have to do sorry to kind of cut you off song mm-hmm. um what do we think about just the general um energy level of the team do you think do you think maybe frank includes kovacic in a game like this because he know he can he can kind of give him more um in terms of winning and maintaining possession as opposed to playing a guy like kai havertz who's going to give you a bit more of a spark like I, it, I'm it, injury, it, it, injuries it, has a lot more to do with it though yeah, but well, what right I'm in a healthy in like, a healthy yeah. world, it, it, I think Kai gets the start. Like, yeah. I I don't think I, I mean, and I hate to say it because Kovacic was, in my opinion, the man of the match. Yeah, he was and, and we'll get into him individually. Yeah. Uh, as to what Sam was saying, whether this impacted the attack, I think it does because we're not catching Tottenham off guard. The moment we were winning the ball was past their back six so they get to compress quickly the moment they no longer have it which is what they've done all season and at that point it made it hard for our midfield to to move the ball quickly which is what we usually thrive on as a team so yeah we yeah, really didn't get ticking percent we didn't really get ticking until ziesh kind of had to tuck in and play more centrally it was either ziesh or Werner were, were, were coming to the middle and then that's when we were starting to open things up a bit Ziyech was dropping very deep to get the ball. At least that's Mm -hmm. when his individual performance improved. But, Zach, you were mentioning Kovacic and Sam. Obviously, yeah, we gotta we gotta get to him. I I don't know if you want to give give us the rigmarole of his his match. 
Yeah, sure. I'll go through his stats. 95% pass accuracy, two long balls, six out of eight ground duels won, four tackles, three interceptions, two blocks, and also blocked a key shot from Sun um, as well. Uh, but Andreas, this is your man. Please. Yeah. Talk, go I mean, it. he was all over the pitch when it came to that left side of the attack. It felt like every time the ball was anywhere near our box, he was there to stop one of either Son, Bergwijn turning and trying to dribble in. He, I, I think this non-pressing also helped him set up well. And the few times that he got to keep the ball and run with it, I mean, he had to get tackled from behind between two players to get stopped. Uh, he He showed up and... There's a reason why Real Madrid didn't want to let him go, even though he wasn't a usual starter, and it's because you can count on him in the in the big scrappy game, is is what I would think. He's not going to get you the the silky pass that Kai Havertz may get you, like like Zach said. But I mean, it's his performance was as Eastern European as it gets. I know he's Croatian, but he also has that look of someone that could be from Serbia, <laughs> uh, and it's just head down tough work and, and his numbers are are that of a more of a defender than a midfielder but it was so important because while uh, while we have the most goals in in the league it's like spread throughout Tottenham's comes from those two two of their front three and and he was able to manage Son really well who was just recently the player of the month and and yeah, he he did the work that you'd expect someone maybe like Aspie when he's lined up against a winger does, but he did it from midfield, which means he had to cover far more ground than somebody in a fullback position would. Mm. And and people love to to just quickly jump on him because of he not having the flashy stats, but without a Kovacic in the starting 11 today, maybe Tottenham gets more than one shot on target. Let's uh yeah. let's let's talk about our front three a little bit. Um Werner again looked tired. Tammy though, um he went back to his baby giraffe uh form again. Uh <laughs> Reese James served him two amazing balls on a platter and I don't know how he did even didn't even get ahead on it. Um but I don't know if you guys uh have you guys did you guys hear Jimmy Floyd Hasselbanks comments on Tammy Abraham at halftime? Um, I did not. I think he gave some very honest analysis uh, on his performance, and I want to play for you guys right now. It's just a minute, uh, and I want to hear what you think about it, because I think it was like a very, very well said uh, point about him. Tap it in. It's, it's, it's a 1-0. It's always going to be a 1-0 game. He has had three chances. Three opportunities where he has to make that a little bit his own. In the bigger picture, does it feel like a, a big opportunity for Tammy in terms of making himself that Chelsea number nine? He has to improve in the, those moments. He'd done ever so well uh, last year when he came in. Uh, half of the season, he was a, a, a breath of fresh air, scored lots of goals. Second half, he had it difficult. Yeah, What is normal, because he's a young boy. But then this, this season, you need to step up. And I think, you know, at times, he can do better. With his, with his stature, with his ability, he should do better and score more goals and score more important goals, you know. Sometimes I, I, I wonder, 
does he watch himself, does he watch clips of himself after the game? Because certain times his movement can be a little bit better, his holding up can be a little bit better. You know, he needs to keep on improving. I think that's like really, really fair criticism of him. Uh, and I think that's something that I never thought of. Like, does he go back and watch film of himself? And because he, he does tend to make the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, uh, listen, and... I think that's I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. What do you mean? I mean, does he watch himself on film? Come on, guys. I don't know. I I I, I think I think that okay, was maybe. set out of frustration, but I maybe. think the rest of the criticism yeah. is is definitely like well founded. I mean, I'll kind of take the reins on this in some team Tammy, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, it, he is a hundred percent right in the sense that you're not playing a West Ham or a Southampton or like a mid to lower table team. That's going to give you five or six opportunities. This is always going to be a game where you're going to get two, maybe three, and you got to put one of those away to, to be the difference maker. And he didn't. And, and I think that's fair. Um, the thing is, I, I, I'm almost tempted to say he didn't really have much help. I don't think, Timo had any sort of impact on the match to be fair to Tammy. Um, and also to be fair to Timo, I don't think Tammy helped him out too much either. Um, I mean, Ziesh was pretty much invisible for the first 20 odd minutes. Um, I don't think he played an accurate cross until midway through the first half. It, it, it was just very disjointed. I mean, we, we talked about how good the midfield was and, and, and how brilliant they were defensively and in keeping the tempo of the game. But the front three was just on another planet today um, and not in a good way. <laughs> but, also but, with Ziyech, though, like, there was also another chance later in the match. Uh, Chilwell gave him a, a beautiful ball right on his left foot oh and he sailed it back yeah. into the 15th He's row. He's leaning back. Yeah, he, he, he just leaned back into That was very characteristic of him. I was shocked. That's the thing, though. In a game like this, and to kind of counter what 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 Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is saying, is if this is only a game where you're going to get two or three chances, the chances Tammy got weren't necessarily clear cut. That header in front of goal in the second half was probably his best chance, and you could argue that the ball is a little bit behind him, and that he he probably couldn't have gotten there. And even if he did get there, he probably wouldn't have gotten the right contact on the ball. Oh my God, but, you're such an but, apologist, man. Listen, no, no, no. I, but, but, but there is two ways to look at it. There is two ways to look at it. I mean, the, the best strikers in the world, they don't make excuses. Like if Lewandowski gets that chance, he could he's probably putting it out on frame at least, making the keeper forcing the keeper to make a save, right? The best like, did you strikers watch in the, the world do did that. Did you watch the United match right before? Like yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to compare him to Edison no, Cavani, Cavani obviously. I'm not I'm not trying to com- compare him to Cavani, but um, he's the type of player who would put both of those shots away, and that's the kind of player that he needs to try to like become. And he did, you know? and he, he actually to. did. It happened. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He scored two goals. Yeah, he had an assist too. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I I I think that's the next step for Tammy is, is these big matches because the only real big game performance that I could remember from him is the goal at Arsenal where he spun. Who was it? He kind of posted him up. William played him the ball. Mustafi? It was at the Emirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Mustafi. Mm. But other than that, could you guys really think of like any big, big game goals that he had? No, no, I can't. And I think this game is a is a very good reminder to people who, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, stop me if I am, that were so quick to say, oh, 
Pulisic isn't going to be starting because Tammy and Werner have to both start. I just think today was a slight reality check that, yes, like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbeck said, Tammy has work to do. And and things are easy when they're great and, and going our way, but you need your big players. Th- there's a reason why Reese James is still starting compared to Tammy and Mason Mount are starting no matter what, basically, versus Tammy. And it's because when they play against tough competition, they're still producing. Well, what about what about just consistency? Yeah, just in general across the board. I mean, we we see Tammy against some mid to lower table teams where he he does he he kind of struggles to get into any sort of positive rhythm for most of the game, and then you know he'll, he'll nick a goal or something and make up for it. But we don't really see these full ninety minute complete performances. I think that's something we've been spoiled with as Chelsea fans recently. Guys like Diego Costa, guys like Didier Drogba. Who just kind of even Eden Hazard, you know, like these supreme attacking talents that just kind of take over games and take over seasons. Tammy's not there yet, but he's playing for Chelsea, and we just signed a striker who should who's actually been playing out of position. So when Timo goes back to the number nine, Tammy has to become one of those players. Otherwise, he either one he stays at Chelsea and doesn't get much playing time, or two he looks for another club. And I know that's further down the line from now. I know it's really early yeah. days, and it's kind of crazy to say that out loud. But that's the reality of it. We have world-class talent now. Last mm-hmm. season, he got his chance. He did really well. It's a great springboard. And I think this season, same thing. He he, he came in, got a couple goals, some sort of decent form, and then he has a performance like this. So now, right now, for Tammy Abraham, the important thing is bouncing back from that performance. The next time he, get, he gets called upon, he bangs one in the back of the net. Well, and that's what I'm saying is, yes, he's when we need him – so far as this season, he's done well. So goal mm. against West Brom, he started that game. Uh, then assist against Krasnodar. Sorry, it's Krasnodar. Assist against Burnley. Again, Burnley. Then a goal against Wren. It was a 10-men Wren. Goal against Sheffield. Yeah, that's one point Sheffield. Goal against Newcastle. Bang average side. Completely missing against a top team in the league. And, and I think that's what I'm trying to... To You're trying to discredit all of his goals. I mean, I I, no, no, I would no, to an extent. I would to an extent. I'm just saying yeah. that to 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 be the guy, you have to be the guy in the big games too. And yeah, especially in the big games. Right, and so for people to to, it's very reactionary to say that he was going to be our starter moving forward, and you push Burner to the to the wide side because of Tammy, and that's what. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, I think Tammy's still learning to play at a Premier League level. He's not your week-in, week-out Premier League starter yet. And so people are trying to to just completely shoot down this performance. It's, not, it's a learning curve thing. It's not, it's not that Tammy can't get there. It's just yeah. I think Floyd makes a good point is you need to do the extra work. And I think that's what he's talking about when watching yourself. Obviously, every team watches mm-hmm. tape, but watch the game and, and, and really tell yourself, okay, why did I go to ground here? Did I look for contact? Like what, you know, really ask yourself, there's not, <laughs> why do I always end up around. on the ground? <laughs> well, no, there was this specific one where he got around right. Dyer and then he just fell. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering what, what, what happened there? He, mm-hmm. he did the hard physical work to get around Dyer back post open. And he like stumbled and almost fell as he tried to reach for the ball awkwardly with the outside mm-hmm. of his foot. So 
I think that's what Floyd has, Hasselbank is, is, is talking about is just really trying to learn from your mistakes, not, not literally watch. And I think as a young player, maybe you think like, oh, I just need to brush this off versus a mature, a mature player that's going to watch and, and be very methodical about his process. And that comes with experience. So, yeah, I just think we need to have our realistic expectations of Tammy. He's on, he was on form, and today he played played a very good defensive team, a very good physical defensive team. Mm-hmm. It just stinks that he didn't do better with his chances. I don't think that this is going to be the story of his career, though. Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. It just it, sucks it, bringing in like another young striker, like like Tammy's twenty, what twenty three years old. Timo's twenty four mm-hmm. years old, like. It does make a very questionable situation, like what to do long term. You know, I know, I know you said it, it is thinking too far ahead, but it's it is something you gotta think about. Because if if Tammy's best, I mean, Tammy can only play striker, and if Timo's yep. best used as a striker, like, and you you know, you think about moving forward with Pulisic and Ziyech on the wing, like that that's that's not an option to play Werner on the wing, like. It really, it, it, it made me, <laughs> it might be reactionary, but today's match made me really think a lot about that. Um, but I don't, I think if you take out like the, the lack of goal scoring, Tammy didn't have a particularly bad match, you know, like he, he, he still looked, he, his hold up place, like I said last week, it was still, it was still pretty solid today. Um, he was, he was more physical. It was just the finishing touch wasn't there. Uh, but it's, it's. I just don't like the situation. Like it just worries me a little bit. Like I, I don't. I don't know what what's gonna happen in the next you know year, two years. It's yeah. It, it it's still it's still early days though. I mean, yeah. Uh, a it, good comparison is just City has Aguero and Jesus, and they've had them mm-hmm. now for four or five seasons. Yeah, so but you could argue football, that Jesus there's could enough be... football going around. Yeah, but yeah, but you don't think you could. You could make the argument that Jesus could be twice the player if he maybe got a move two years ago, let's say, after the, the first same title. argument. The same argument was made for Kelechi and Nacho. Then he went to Leicester, and now look at him. When he got his chance, he did nothing. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that's it's hard to, to judge. Some people thrive on being second fiddle, even when they have to be second fiddle for half a season if the number one guy goes down. I just think we're in a good position. We have two... We used to be struggling to get one striker to perform. We're, we have Werner. Once we finally start playing Werner at striker, because that's another thing, it, he still hasn't played there much. Yeah. But once we can get him as truly as a striker and then Tammy is, as a two, one-two punch or late in the game, everyone's tired, and then you bring in this massive guy with energy coming in, it's just you never know. And again, mm-hmm. we're not – just because a two-striker system isn't seen often doesn't mean that we can't have that as a backup tactic. I, I don't see why we can't. Obviously, there's a there's already a connection there. We could have a 4-4-2 late in the game trying to, you know, make something happen. And, and you have, you know, maybe you take Kai out because he ran a lot. You bring in Tammy and you play a 4-4-2. It's not out of the realm mm. of possibility. Last thing before we move on our defense, I want to kind of go back to what you said about the the Gabriel Jesus, uh, you know, comparison in that situation. Uh, it's a little bit different because Gabriel Jesus is is the same age as Tammy Abraham is right now. 
Like, you know, if you're talking about the past three years, like, if Tammy was also 20, 21, 22, like, it would maybe make more sense, but he's 24. He's at the same point right now. So, and plus, you know, you don't know how much t more time Aguero has. I mean, he's he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries, and, you know, he's, he's getting a little older. So, I think it is a little bit of a di different situation. You can probably see Gabriel Jesus taking over as that number one striker in the next two or three years. But in our situation, like, I don't know if it's going to be Timo, or if it's going to be Tammy, or if it's going to be both, or I don't know. But let's talk about our yeah. defense. Um, another clean sheet. That's that is definitely the biggest positive to come out of this match. Eduard Mendy, aka Eduardo Mentirosa, he's now kept more clean sheets than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League this season with five, and he's only played in six matches. That that is insane. Uh, like all the other play, all the other keepers who are on the on the list of most clean sheets with four, they have nine, ten matches played, and he's in first with only six. He has an eighty-nine percent save percentage. I mean, just the inclusion of Mendy uh, really makes makes the back lines job so much easier. To have that kind of faith in your uh, in your keeper makes it. It just a, it's a world of a difference just by his his uh improvement by itself is one thing but the the difference in the way that the defense plays is so much better let's also talk about because we talk about mendy every single week but let's talk about <laughs> our fullbacks if you look on sofa score uh the, actually the two top rated players were reese james and ben chilwell um and i, I don't i don't normally rely on these stats because i know they they're based off of numerical values and stuff, but from my eye test, Reese James was serving balls on a platter. His service was unbelievable today. Um, they were given a lot of freedom to push up uh, just because by virtue of the way that Tottenham was playing. But uh, Andreas, I kind of want to ask you what you thought about our fullbacks performances today and because I, th I thought there was a little bit of criticism on Chilwell's part on Twitter, and I just was very shocked by it because I thought he played amazing defensively and was doing pretty good pushing the ball up too. Yeah, I, I think people are just want to find the one thing, and, and early in the match, I think he had that shot that he probably could have done better. And with his right foot. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Again, can't ask for so it's much nitpicking from. at this point, but... I thought it was extremely important for these two guys to be positionally aware at all times because, again, you knew Tottenham was going to come out in the counter. And we talked about, you know, Reese and, and how he kept Son at bay, but it, it, Son and, and Bergvine were, were switching every so often. So Chilwell was doing the same on the opposite end. So it in that sort of system where at any point you're going to have three guys waiting to counter on you, maybe even four, those spaces behind the fullbacks are usually the ones you're targeting. And not once do I remember those guys getting turned around because a ball went over their head or, or somebody snuck in behind. And, and that just goes to show how, how much work they did to get back to the right place when in transition because that's when Spurs are, are the most dangerous. So, yeah, I, I thought that they were very good defensively. Reese, again, you mentioned it. His balls were 
with when Ziyech was struggling, the the way we were trying to attack was through Reese James, and and I think we all hoped he could do this. And this season, he's really shown that he can be the guy uh, every week. So, yeah, again, the fullbacks were were so good, and I think more so on the defensive end where where we needed them to be today when Son and Kane are are in that sort of form. Yeah, I, low key, I think Reese James could have had a shout for man of the match. Um, I wouldn't have been mad at that. But I'm um, looking at my game notes here, especially for the second half, and I usually mark my notes with minute markers, like what minute I wrote that note in, just to give me some context. Um, 55th minute, Reese James with three fantastic crosses crosses to start the half. Um, Tammy and Tebow unable to get on, uh, on, on either of them. So yeah, I mean, in, from the attacking sense, I thought our fullbacks, that just kind of highlights how our fullbacks were probably our best option, um, in terms of creating chances, uh, clear cut chances. That is, um, Reese James was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I could go on and on and on about how good he is going forward. Um, but defensively, this is a guy who we talked about last year. If he can get it together defensively, we have a world-class defender on our hands, and it just seems like he's getting the hang of it. And it's not just the 1v1 defending. It's not just the physical aspect of it. It's the way he's able to read the game. His his match intelligence or match IQ is, is, is through the roof. Um, ben Chilwell in this game was an interesting one. Um, normally... We see him providing, you know, more late runs into the box and just kind of causing havoc in and around the penalty area. We didn't really see too much of it today. Part of the reason why, um, because he was tasked with defending Sun. Um, but he did an absolutely incredible job um, just cutting off those passing lanes. Like we said, Sun loves to cut inside and sort of play as a central striker. And, you know, we talked about the language barrier between Chilwell and Thiago Silva and that moment they had uh, during the week against Ren. There was none of that today. Um, they, they just both seemed on the same page and they were able to, to sort of pass Sun off to each other as he was drifting inside and outside. So... Great performance overall from the fullbacks. Um, I would have liked to see Chilwell maybe attack some more, but I, I could understand you know, him staying back to just kind of keep a lid on Sun and, and letting Reese James be the one to kind of bomb forward. But um, it's, it's, it's really nice to see, guys. I, I got to be honest, in all of my years of watching Chelsea, you know, we've always had these sort of defensive specialist teams where we were always defensively solid first, and then we had two or maybe three attacking players who could sprinkle some stardust to, to, to squeak us out some wins. If this squad shapes up the way we're expecting it to, is this the most balanced Chelsea team we've seen, um, dare I say it, since the Ancelotti days? Yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're contending again for a Premier League title. Like We're not, we're not fair. there... We're not there yet. I just want to put that out there. Like I'm not saying we're there. We're contending. At all, yeah. But 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 we have the potential to to put together a team as well rounded and as balanced. It, is that goalkeeper a through strikers? Huh? Do we need to look at the tape? Maybe like Tammy has to and see what Zach said last week about being contenders versus just now. <laughs> well, look. No, I no, said no. That. I'm saying if it if it comes if it comes together <laughs> if it comes together we could be that good. But but. 
it, it's getting to that like we're start we, we see flashes of it i mean edward mendy is is a clean sheet machine and then you know you add the experience of tiago's i mean i could go on and on and on and just kind of talk about the whole team but um yeah i mean what do you guys think it, uh, it, i mean we're leading we're leading the league in goal differential right now mm-hmm. so i mean we're mm-hmm. on track for it i believe that tottenham only is the only team with more goals than us or maybe it's the other way around I think we have more than them. We have more than them. They've conceded less than us. That's what it is. So we both have 12. So we're leading the league in scoring alongside the champions of Liverpool. So, yeah, I think we're on pace. And, again, we haven't had our best 11 on the pitch together yet consistently. So, yeah, I think that we're – exactly. It's very scary. I, I think that we're on track to have a team similar to that. It's just also that we're not just competing against one team like United back then. There's also four other teams that can potentially be in the race at any point. All right, let's let, let's wrap up this uh, review with uh, I gotta talk about the shithousery of Regulon. Uh, that was I don't know if you guys saw. Well, I mean they talked about it like five different times during the match, but uh, Mourinho posted a picture of him with with uh Reguillon and and uh like a what's it called I- Iberian ham see and he said that he would buy it for him if he didn't let Mares pass him once uh in the in the city it's a matchup. $500 ham so I think also he uh kind of gave him some instructions to just be a complete uh for lack of a better word a cunt uh <laughs> if you, I mean, dude, that's, if you watch the, if you watch the, the, the Tottenham, everything or nothing, like he, that's what he kept on saying. It's like you guys gotta be cunts. Like you gotta play like cunts. Yeah, like, yeah. You amazing. gotta be angry. You gotta. He's like, he's like, you gotta be mad. You're cunts. too nice. He's like, yeah. You're too nice. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you you definitely saw from this match. He was he was given instructions to play like a dick, uh, flopping around, making some dirty tackles as well. Uh, frustrating the whole team, frust- frustrating the fans at home because I was livid at how the way he was playing. Uh, but what, what, Zach? What did you What did you see from uh, the way he played? Saw so, me um, kind of cut out the last like couple like eight seconds. Damn. Well, I think it's probably recording on my end, but okay. I just asked you if. Uh, like what what you thought from the way he played like who Regulon oh um he's a he, he dare i say it a bit of under herrera about him Ugh. and 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 i'm sorry for 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 using it again but i i have to bring out the c word he is a cunt dude like there's really no other way to kind of go around it. I think the combination of having him and the fact that he outcunted Eric Dyer in this game should be should hard be noteworthy. Yeah, that that's that that alone is hard to do. So yeah, um, in terms of him being an actual footballer, I mean, he's 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 pretty pacey. Um, defensively, he looked all right, I guess. Um, but but it's just the shithousery that's. I can't stand that, but but you know what? I mean, he has the green light to do that with Mourinho, so 
it's going to continue. The next time we play them, he's going to be a bother again. We are going to hate on him again. I mean, I, I just I feel like we're going to have this conversation extent. the next time we play them. Listen, I respect it when one of our guys does it. <laughs> but what's exactly. Does it, exactly. It's like, it's, yeah, it's just a dick move. But in general, he seems like a decent player. We didn't really see much of him going forward because, you know, they just had no intent on doing so in the second half. But. Yeah, like that. Reese James Yellow was such a joke. That oh was god. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, well okay. I, I I don't think the yellow was for the intent. I think the yellow was because just it, it it was a block off, and technically he did break up a counter attack. And and as a defender, I, I mean, you are taught if you want to stop the opposition player, just get your hands in front of him first. Yeah, and you'll slow him down. Who's the ref? Um, Who's is uh. Kieran or Tyranny? Yeah, Tyranny. I mean, Tyranny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was handing out yellows left and right. That was uh interesting. But I think he knew going in the history between these clubs, and they knew it was going to be a hot-headed matchup. Uh, so he came prepared for sure. Uh, well, there was I, one yeah. play where there was one play where Kovacic. Bergvine tried to tackle Kovacic and failed, and then was it Regulon that tackled him after that? Yeah, and got the yellow. Yeah, that was another play where I was screaming at the TV because shouldn't have Bergvine gotten a yellow too? I know it's play on, but you could still caution a guy for doing that. And then Reese James goes and does it, and just because Regulon falls on the floor and acts like he, you know, took a two by four to the face, <laughs> you know, he, he he gets a yellow. Shithousery, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, that's exactly what it is. Yep. Any any final thoughts, Andreas, before we uh, move on? Regulon has a hot girlfriend. Wow, yeah, I follow her on Instagram too. That's so funny how you brought that up. I was just looking at her. I was going through her profile this morning, and I was like, oh, fuck you. I don't want to look at this <laughs> playing against Regulon today. But, uh, okay, let's go into some Chelsea news. So, the rumors are back. Wait, 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 wait. Before we move on, fuck uh-huh. Tottenham. We okay. always have to end yeah. on that. We fuck always have Tottenham. to end on that. <laughs> uh, the rumors are back. David Alaba is open to talking in January to both PSG and Chelsea for a potential move for the Austrian centre-back. Uh, this goes hand-in-hand hand with Lampard's desire to sign a world-class centre-back to add to, to the team. Uh, so, Andreas, you I know this is the move that you've been drooling for since last <laughs> year uh, when the rumours started, but I mean, what, what, if... if this were to come true what what does this mean for christensen and tamari well yeah i i think that bringing in uh alaba would mean that your first three options are going to be obviously zuma tiago silva and alaba meaning we have three extra center backs with only one spot i think rudiger fully knows he has to leave to get the minutes he needs to make it to at least one last world cup for Germany. If he, if he can do that, Christensen has his spot safe in Denmark, but much like Giroud, I don't know how much longer the manager for Denmark is going to play a a guy not playing every week. And even Tomori, I think he wants to start getting minutes as well. He's a young player. That's not even getting called up to the U 23 English team. So, 
realistically speaking, I could see Rudiger swallowing his pride and being the fourth choice, but I don't see Christensen and Tamori doing the same because they still have a full career ahead of them. We can get four or five years out of Alaba. We can maybe get a year or two more out of Thiago Silva. So for me, you sell Christensen and you try to find a good two-year loan for Tamori. And and that's not easy for for a defender. So it does put, you know, we talked about it earlier with Cho. It puts another one of our kind of fan favorite youth academy players at risk of not having a direct path of, you know, progression in the team. The Oliva rumors are nice. I, I it, <laughs> he is going to be an upgrade. I mean, a player of that kind of quality, or you. You're an idiot if you don't think he's going to improve the squad. Um, but I think the I think the more important thing is if that Alaba thing. And this is only hypothetical because it is early days. But if the the Alaba rumors are true, that's technically killing two birds with one stone. You got a backup left back right there also, yep. and arguably someone that could fight for a first choice left back if that's what Frank Lampard wants to do. Because let's not forget, Alaba did win a Champions League playing center back but he made a name for himself playing left back and he could also play center defensive mid. That's a player that Lampard loves. I mean, we've seen lamps use versatile. We've seen lamps play defensive players in multiple positions like Aspie. I mean, we've seen him play on the right left and we've seen him play at center back. Oliba could essentially do the same thing. Whereas he could play on the left, he could play in center back or he could play defensive mid. If we want to kind of shore things up, that's a great move. I'm all for it. Um, but the Fikayo Tomori situation is more interesting. I don't think it's a coincidence that the second these Alaba rumors come out, the next rumor I see is Fikayo Tomori to Newcastle. All of a sudden, it looks like it's on. Um, that's a loan move that 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 definitely needs to happen. As much as I want to favor him and be biased towards him, there's something that's not working out right now or something that's preventing him from even becoming the third choice um at chelsea so yeah i mean a loan move for him would be would be completely ideal now rudiger's situation is another interesting one as well because that's another international player who's been pretty respectful to the club um who is on big wages and who can contribute to the first team, who's also going to be shoved down the pecking order also. And then it also opposes questions to Kurt Zuma, who's hitting a point in his career where, you know, 26 years old, he wants to be on the first team every week. So I mean, I don't think it does, though. I think Zuma is option one. So, so you think, so what do you think we do? We bring in Alaba and Zuma? I think and, next and, and, season. And that's our 1A, 1B next season? Yeah, and I think Tiago Silva slots in for big games so big that games. we don't drop in so we don't drop in, in quality. I mean, so Zuma doesn't pass season, the ball right to the other team in the 93rd minute. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this team, I think this team is in this season. Yes. We're, we're progressing in the champions league, but I feel, I feel the champions league, any sort of champions league, uh, success is a bonus. I think we're trying to cement ourselves in the premier league this season. Next season, we need to think even bigger. And I think that's what this rumor shows. The one thing that I could see being an issue is the wages because he would be a free transfer. And the reason he hasn't re-signed with Bayern is because he he is asking for a lot of money. So as long as we're not paying a ridiculous fee and makes all of us immediately the highest paid player at the club by a long shot, I'm all for it. But 
Yeah, I mean, yes, this summer we spent a lot of money, but that money was because we had saved it from the hazard the previous summer. I don't know. You save money on the transfer fee, but then that money you have to basically transform into wages. And that's we're easy, though, because 500K a week. I think that that's not a smart deal. I, I, I don't think I don't think the the finances are that important because we have the assets to turn over to break even like like we, we, we always turn say around. that, but we have such a problem selling. I, I feel mean, like have- I feel I, I feel like for the stage Alaba's at with his contract situation, we can buy Alaba in and around the same region that we sell Christensen for. And not, and not saying in a perfect world that we sell We're Christensen We're not going to pay a transfer fee. I, I, I don't think there's zero chance Byron lets him go in January, but there's also a very small chance he re-signs. So I think yeah, the point is that we're going to get him for free. So we're not going to pay a transfer fee. And, and I mean, if this guy's getting no, half a it, mil a week or whatever he's asking for, even if a Christian's in fee of 30 mil, we're going to run through that real fast. That's does, my issue with the Does potential. anybody Does anybody still find it weird that Alaba even wants out of Bayern at all? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I it's still I weird. The right? Situation. It's the best situation to be in in world football right now. He's what already better... won everything there. It's kind of like why? Why would Cristiano want to leave Manchester United when he did? So, so mm-hmm. or Real? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess he literally could say that. won he, every He's won every trophy. trophy. Yeah. Multiple yeah, times yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, but they're also my favorites to win the Champions League this season again. So he wins it again, and then he gets to leave and make bank. And then if they, if they win it again, yeah. Wouldn't you want to run it back again, though? Three no. times? <sighs> because the glory chasing, baby. I, I think that Bayern is known for being stingy. What's the, like? What's a positive twist on the word stingy? I know there is one, but I can't. Frugal. Frugal. Yeah, frugal. Right? But yeah. Bayern, basically, I know. It's, yeah, basically, Bayern's not gonna push their luck. Not not luck. They're just not gonna overspend. They never have. I I don't think like Alaba is demanding to be highest paid by a long shot. It'll be. And and I feel I feel Bayern is you know we always hear how how speaking of Tottenham they're really they're in the negative side of being it. They're stingy with their wages. I think Bayern runs a similar model to where they're not going to overpay for one player. The, a stat came out recently. Let me see if I still have it close about how Lucas Hernandez, who is the other center back slash left back that they have, when he plays, my goodness, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. When he plays at something like Bayern concedes a goal every 120 minutes, but if he's not on the pitch, Bayern concedes a goal every 38 minutes. Yeah. If you have... They can literally just say, okay, you don't want to take them our money next. And they do this often and it works. So they don't, uh, yeah. they Alaba's don't not in it. a position of leverage. He definitely no, because they're to. healthy now. They're, yeah. the, the players are back last season. If he could have gotten it signed last season when there was zero center backs and he was their savior at that position, it's a different story. But the, the ball is back on Bayern's court per se, in terms of how much they want to spend. I agree that he's a huge upgrade for us. Obviously, I would immediately buy his jersey, but I don't want us to to dig ourselves a hole for one player because we're doing so well right now in building a full team. All right, uh, let's move on then. Uh, Connor Gallagher 
on the Lone Army, uh, Lone Army Army update. He scored a winner for West Brom over the weekend, so uh, congrats to him. Uh, that's that that's good for his form, obviously. Is there any potential for a callback this year, or it's it's definitely going to be? Uh, he's he's going to stick up the whole year. If sure. anything, he'll get called back, and RLC won't. He's he's a mm-hmm. he's a someone to definitely keep an eye on though because that's a guy that I can see getting some some playing time next season. All right, this last one. Hear me out, guys. After the latest injury to our beloved Eden Hazard, fans are debating on Twitter: Should we rescue him from the Madrid nightmare? No. I'm... <laughs> Go on, bring him back, Zach. No. Oh no, no. I, 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 I have a different take. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk it. What does that mean? Meaning... Like we have a good thing going on? Yeah, I don't want him to come back and just watch him go through the same thing here as he is in Madrid. I'm not... I am not saying Eden Hazard, if he came back to Chelsea in a perfect world, that he wouldn't just tear shit up if he was healthy, because he would. He did. He did it for fucking 10 years. But... I, I don't want to see him go through the same... Like, watching him hobble off injured, it seems like it's every match. It sucks, man. I think he's I think he's played one... Or he's only... He's missed, like, 413 days in the last two, two years or two seasons. It's been... It's been rough. I don't even want to think about that. I just want him to get better and get back to his best. So I can fucking finally watch him play again. I think that's some I, something I've been suffering with is the fact that I I, I can't watch him play. <laughs> we all you know, suffer it, from that. We it he was he was the funnest player I've had the pleasure of watching, um, you know, from beginning to end at Chelsea. Like I I saw the rise and fall of his career at Chelsea. So it was. He was one of the funnest players I've ever watched, and the fact that I can't watch him anymore sucks. And I don't, I don't want him to come back to Chelsea because he's not, he, he he's just not going to be healthy. I, I want to hear Andreas's take. Yeah, yeah, hear me out. He's 29 years old. Let's say 30, 31 year old Eden Hazard. We still have the likes of Pulisic, Ziyech, Werner. Uh, and Cho is still struggling to get minutes at this point in his career. We find Cho a good loan, and we bring Eden Hazard back, a la Drogba, when Drogba came back in that 14-15 season, to be a rotation option. How old is he when you brought him back? Drogba? And we won the Premier League that season as well. I'm just saying oh. we shouldn't be saving our fourth or third spot, fourth spot winger for a kid that needs to be playing every week. And Hazard, you you hear this all the time, like a- after your 30s, you lose that extra boost of speed or whatever. Maybe at that point, he's like, you know what? I just want to be happy again. Go back <laughs> to Chelsea, play one match, full match every three, four matches, make cameo appearances. Whether I play good or I play poorly, I'm going to be loved anyway. Why not? Dude, Tottenham's doing that with Gareth Bale right now. Listen, that okay, do not fucking put them in the same sentence. (laughs) Three times Champions League winner Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale had the worst Real Madrid career I've ever seen, and somehow Hazard managed to top it. But on the flip side, 
Hazard has done everything in the Premier League, and Gareth Bale has done absolutely nada because he has nothing to show for it. Besides, like, a few decent numbers. Okay, well, then, it's an even better situation, then. Dude, I... I it is, Andreas, l- listen, I'm, listen. I'm on your side right now. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I am... The risk scares me. That's all. But it's... It, what's That's the what risk? It's a win-win. Win for, like, His everyone. His value appreciated heavily. I'm what if he comes back, back and, and, and... What if he comes back and it's very much, like... Why though? It's, it's we, no longer we don't, putting the team on his back anymore. Yeah, we, we don't. We're not going to depend on him. him. We're not yeah. going to have to depend on him. Drogba did just fine playing third fiddle to Diego Costa and Loic Remy. So okay, yeah. I'm, I'm actually in on this, Andreas. Uh, this, I, it makes I'm a lot of sense. Too. I'm in on it. Too. It makes a lot of sense. Like we're not going to have to rely on him, Zach. Like there's not a lot of risk at all. Like I know. It, like it's just adding it on top of the team we have right I just, now. Get Cho some playing time on a loan spell, yeah. so we don't have to worry for, about that spot. You know, it's, we don't need to keep Cho on for the depth. Oh my god, my, my uh, reasoning is purely we're, we're selfish. Dreaming. My reasoning is purely selfish, just because if okay. that risk were to come true and and he does wind up injured the whole entire time, that guilt that or that sadness that I would feel for him would just shut up. Like it's yeah, it would suck. Shut up, Zach. All right. It would suck. <laughs> All right, let's get into some Twitter questions. Uh, this one's from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. Do you guys feel that we should have started Olivier Giroud? The game screamed for him, and the crosses uh, Ziyech and James were sending his uh, sending in were asking for his beautiful forehead. <laughs> Wouldn't you have brought in Pulisic earlier? Uh, I guess that's. This Two question has a little, yeah, but it also has both of them have a little bit of hindsight in it, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say, Zach? Like... Yes, definite hindsight. Um, but to the Olivier Giroud question, a bit a bit of a fair point from Ron. He was the reason why we beat Tottenham last time around. So, you know, a guy that turns up against them has turned up against them in the past just a few months or not a few months ago more like a year ago but the last time they came to the bridge it would have i wouldn't have been mad to see Giroud start a game like this it would have been head scratching considering the amount of time he's been getting but i wouldn't have been against it but the whole Pulisic thing is definitely easier said than done in hindsight yeah he did look good when he came on though which is a huge plus it looks explosive I think that maybe just a few minutes earlier, he came on in the 79th. And you're asking yeah, would have liked lot. the 70th. At that point, you know Tottenham is literally just clearing the ball the moment it comes near them. So yeah. I was thinking subs should have happened in the 65th, 67th minute just to change things up, just to change the dynamic. It would have Ross been Barkley different. on for Kovacic. <laughs> yeah, something a That's little bit different than that. But yeah, the, the 67th minute gives him to time to warm up to the match, find out what Tottenham is really doing because it's obviously different spoken than being in the field for it. Uh, I just felt that way about all the subs, to be honest. I, we discussed our front three earlier, and it would have been nice to have Pulisic, uh, Kai, and Giroud all in for longer, especially because Kai is also a big target for Reese James to, to cross to. So more than the 10 and for Kai's case, seven-minute cameo would have been nice for for guys that could have made a big difference. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I got a 
I gotta go back and watch the game again and get a picture. But how cool is it to see our banner up there? There was a banner that said the Romans <laughs> Empire, and <laughs> Wait, does what? anyone know? You didn't yeah, see I that? Know, there was a banner, well. and like it's the seventeenth minute. Yeah, it's at the Roman Empire. That was that was purchased by us, by the way. We we put that up <laughs> as advertisement. Uh, I hope uh, I hope it, it got us a couple more followers on on Twitter. That was awesome. No, I'm just kidding. I love I love that our res. Okay, good. I was gonna say our <laughs> resident lawyer is the one saying that. Yeah, it, but disclaimer, shout out to the rep. That was a joke. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, disclaimer. It's no that longer was a joke. legally binding. Yes. Uh, but. He, he Ron also added, did Frank get outmanaged by Jose? No. No. No, he didn't, because I think there are some positives to take from the game. It's it's we didn't play terribly. There there were there were many, many, many bright spots. And I think Frank, from a managerial point of view, if you really want to be nitpicky, you can you could point out the minutes, you know, in which he, he made the subs, but he did everything he could have. I wasn't opposed to him taking Werner off. I thought Werner was awful. He looked exhausted. But, yeah, no, I, I don't think he got outmanaged. I think it's more a matter of both managers walking away not angry with the result, but not happy. But maybe Mourinho a little bit more happy. We we were the better team. Yeah. So I, I don't think he got outmanaged because we looked better. Mm-hmm. And... Mourinho's just happier because he's on top of the he's top of the league. Had you know, had this been a fight for top four, I think Mourinho goes you know, for the win. Right. When he's at the top of the league, Mourinho just makes sure he doesn't lose. Had we <laughs> lost one nothing and Tottenham had just two shots on target, I'd say yeah. Even if we looked better, I'd say yeah, he got outmanaged because they won. But had Liverpool been able to win yesterday and it required Tottenham to also go out for the victory. I think we would have won this game a lot, you know, by multiple goals because we had the right defensive shape. I just think that they got to really, really park the bus because they only needed a point to get the lead uh, of the table. It's not to say that it's not to say that Spurs didn't try at times to win the game, but I mean, good lord, guys! In the second half, were they even were they trying to attack from? Minute fifty-five onwards. The moment and Dombele came off. Didn't they have a couple chances towards the end? Courtesy of of Zuma. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you're right. Just off of stupid (laughs) dispossessions, but yeah, Andres, you were gonna say something. I was just gonna say that you know, once and Dombele came off, I thought the game died. Like for a second, I was like, oh, Lucas is coming on. I was like, eh, he didn't do anything. I, I thought literally the one threat they had was in Dombelli's dribbling. And, and he you know came what I off. Like? I didn't think anything of it. I like how the commentators mentioned, oh, like, Lucas is off the bench. Ooh, I like him. He has the capability of, like, really turning the game around. How many goals did he score last season? I don't know. Everyone is still just replaying the Ajax. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's, it's, it's banking so, off of that still. It's like... How, it's lazy reporting. Me? I think I think he scored four goals in like twenty some appearances last season as Fire. as an attacking player, deployed as a Don't striker most of the time when Harry Kane was injured. So, huh? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up this episode, let's uh, we got a midweek matchup: Champions League uh, against Sevilla. So 
right now we're both sitting on top of the group. We're on top uh, with, with 10 points each. And we, I'm looking at, I'm trying to find the goal differential, but uh, we're beating them by a lot in goal differential. Let's just, <laughs> let's just put it that way. So a draw would still be a more favorable result for us than it would be for Sevilla since we have that. And then the last match is uh, against Krasnodar. Hopefully that is a guaranteed win. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to obviously predict a draw until my until my streak ends but uh again i i, I i'm gonna look through the the starting lineup for actually zach you wanted to have any thoughts uh about what you what you expect to see midweek um no i i i think a rotated squad um i think kai havertz and pulisic are probably due for a start if pulisic doesn't start he gets that he, he needs to get I, I think I think he should start, even if he can't finish the whole game, even if he could get an hour. I think um, that was Olivier Pulisic's Giroud debut, the first leg, right? Wasn't that his debut this season? Uh, uh, he came back from injury. What do you mean? Like when he he, oh, he had an oh, injury oh. in the he FA Cup, injury in yeah. the FA Cup final. Yeah, and I think yeah, this yeah, yeah. the first leg was his first match back. Yeah. Uh, How poetic, I believe, if you right? Did. Yeah, yeah, so if he makes a start again, that would be awesome. Here, um, here's the thing: it, it it's a game that we shouldn't. It, it it's a game that we should go out there to try to win because even though we qualified for the next round, we still want to finish top of the group. And if anybody remembers last season, that's what happens when you don't finish at the top of your group. You draw a team like Bayern Munich in the round yep. of sixteen. So it, it's important to to go into this game with no intention other than getting three points. The the beauty of it is that, you know, much like us, they have a game in the weekend. And yes, we're playing Leeds, who is a formidable matchup, and we should try to rest our players a little bit. But they're playing Real Madrid. And Madrid is only a point ahead of them in the table, uh, taking fourth place while they're in fifth. So... Sevilla doesn't need to win this game. The rest of our group has, I think, a collective of one point each. Uh, so for me, I think that it should be a quote-unquote easier game for us because our B team is better than their B team. Like Krasnodar and Ren are not qualifying out of this group. They, they can't. So the way I see it is... Our B team is better than their B team, and our B team is going to want to win because it will essentially clinch us first place. So Cho has been scoring every time he plays in the Champions League. Sam mentioned that. You mentioned Pulisic trying to come back. Kai hasn't gotten a full 90 in a while. He's going to want to come back and, and start scoring because he hasn't gotten to do that as much. And then potentially Giroud gets a start because you, you want to rest both Tammy and Werner. So these are all guys that are either fighting for minutes or or trying to get back to their best. I, I don't think they need any motivation. And and again, Sevilla has to rotate too. They're not going to fight hard for something they've already kind of done when they have an even tougher, like not, I don't know if I'd say tougher, but it's a more important situation to get top four in the league than then put all your eggs in, in the Chelsea group battle 
when there's still another match to go. So they'll go for a tie. I'm 100% sure it's going to look very similar to this Tottenham game because I don't think Sevilla is going to come to fight us because they know we'll kill them on the counter. So I think our B team can get the win. I think we should get the three points, but I don't think Sevilla is going to be coming out with the same mentality. All right, let's make those official predictions then. You know where I stand. 3-3 draw. <laughs> Long, fought-out match, but end up in a stalemate. Andreas, where do you 3-0 Chelsea. Uh, Zach? I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. Ooh. I think we keep another clean sheet. That's a given for sure. All right, then. Then my I changed my prediction to zero zero draw. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I, I. What does that mean zero zero sum? Does that secretly mean three three? I guess sure. if you know what I mean. For those that have been listening to the last six episodes consecutively. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, those that three three. Yeah. All right. There we go. Thank you. Um, but anyways, um, guys. So whoever's listening, um. Just a quick reminder, we are recording two episodes a week now. Uh, we're going to be dropping these uh, on Sunday nights where we talk about the weekend matches. And then we're also going to be recording a midweek pod uh, whenever we play midweek. So uh, usually Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, we're not an Arsenal pod, so we don't record on Thursdays. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, until this upcoming Wednesday after we play uh, Sevilla, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>